God bless you today. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us. We welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. We're so glad you're here with us. And again, I said it, I'll say it again. Don't forget tonight. Do whatever you can to be with us tonight. I know you'll be blessed by uh, Brother David Smith. We had a tremendous time in the Lord last time he was here a month ago. So I'm encouraging you, even if you don't usually come Sunday night, do what you can to be here tonight. And I promise you that you will be touched by the power of God. Amen. Praise God. Well, Lord, uh, I felt something uh, a little different last night. And when I got here today, the Lord kind of directed me to a scripture that I guarantee you that if you're here today and you have been around any kind of belief system revolving the Bible, that you have at least heard this scripture one time. And so allow me to read it for you this morning, but yet don't dismiss me and think that you know my entire message today because of the verse that I am about to read to you. Isaiah chapter uh, 40, Isaiah 40. And verse number 29, Isaiah 40 and 29 says this, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Now look look at this, even the youth shall faint. Meaning even the people that think they have strength, they're still going to get tired. And be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But this is the promise. But they that wait... Upon the Lord shall, not might, not maybe, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Thank you for standing at the reading of the word. I want to talk to you for a few moments today with this thought in our mind, soaring with the eagles, soaring with the eagles. This verse is a very familiar verse. In fact, it used to be a Christian bookshop down uh, in the Parole Plaza years ago. And when you would go into that Christian bookshop and you would look on the walls and the pictures, I would guarantee you at least 20%, it seemed like, would have this verse quoted with some kind of picture corresponding to the verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But when you read that verse in the context and within the parameters of what we understand in the English language of the verse, they that wait upon the Lord, the word wait to us in a lot of ways connotates a passivity. The word wait in us brings memories of sitting in the doctor's office, waiting. Sitting at the DMV, waiting. It's what we're doing to pass the time. They that wait, they that sit and relax and chill and just hang out upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. But really, that word wait, in case you don't know, but just allow me to say this, the the Bible was not originally written in English. The Bible was not written in English. The Bible originally was written in the Old Testament in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written mostly in Greek, some Aramaic, but mostly Greek. And so, again, there are sometimes words 
can have one connotation in one language, but when they're translated to the English language, they lose a little bit of the meaning. And even if you speak another language here today, if you speak Spanish, you some, we have some people that, uh, that uh, for the Philippines that uh, speak another language, you have some Koreans here that speak uh, another language. There are some words in English that when you translate them into uh, another language, they lose their meaning. And so that word wait, when it's translated out of the Hebrew into the English, it has a different connotation for us, they that wait. But that word wait literally means to intertwine or to twist together. It means that it's a conscious decision to get my life wrapped in his life. It's not that I sit there and wait for God to come by as if I'm the beggar on the side of the road with my cup out hoping that somehow God will have mercy on me today and throw me some alms down and fill my cup up that I can leave here today with a few pennies in my cup hoping that I can make it back next week and get a few more pennies in my spiritual cup and I can live from week to week with pennies in my cup. But literally it means to make a choice for you and I to intertwine and twist ourselves together with him. Meaning that we get so wrapped up in him, you can't tell the difference between me and him. That we become one. I want to draw your attention a little farther here into the New Testament. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter uh, 27. Let's go to Acts chapter uh, 27 here. Let's read something. It's a story that is... uh, Quite fascinating. To bring you up to speed a little bit, this is the story uh, pertaining to the Apostle Paul. Paul was uh, put on trial, and uh, he was being taken back to Rome in uh, in a um, a ship with other prisoners. And uh, when the boat was going to leave, there was a storm on the horizon. The storm. The Bible even names the storm. The Bible names it. In fact, verse fourteen of chapter twenty-seven tells us the name of the storm, Eurachlodon. Sounds, it sounds Eurachlodon. Um, yesterday we had a Eurachlodon. Goodness gracious, hail in February, who'd have thunk it? Uh, and so there's even named this storm. And so we find in Acts chapter 27, this sort of deal that Paul is on this journey and uh, the storm hits and And for sake of time, let's go down and read verse number uh, 41. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained it unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded them, commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get into land. And this is the verse that I find fascinating. And verse 24, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass, they escaped all to safe land. There's a phrase in that today that I find to be sort of uh, 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 relevant to my life at times and possibly to your life at times. 
In Zechariah, the Bible refers to the sea of affliction, or one translation says the sea of trouble. And a lot of times we talk about the sea of life, and we use the sea to connotate life and what life is. And we've got the winds of life and the rains of life and the waves of life. And, and here we are in our boat and we're sailing the sea of life and, and we're tossed sometimes back and forth and, and we're against, a, we're, 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 we're attacked on all sides by, 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 by things that are fighting against us, whether they be spiritual things or, or they're natural things that life seems to throw up at us. And, and we're attacked on all sides. And, and, and there are times where we, we can, we can weather the storm. There are times that, that it feels a lot like uh, uh, one of the stories about the apostles where, where they, where they were, were on the boat and, and they were basically keeping the boat afloat by trying to get the water out of the boat. And, and sometimes it feels like that. Where literally it feels like, okay, we, let's just weather the storm and we'll just hunker down and, and, and going back and forth and, and we'll just we'll hold on to the storm. I remember years ago, uh, when my wife and I first got married, we went on a family trip. My dad had won an auction, and uh, he had won an auction uh, to benefit, I think it was uh, Providence Center. Uh, he won an auction, and, and, and someone had donated a week's stay uh, at, a, at, a, at a home uh, down in, the, in the, um, the Virgin Islands. And so he won that and, as a donation to the Providence Center. And so we went down there as a family. My wife and I were just newly married. And my brother and his wife came with us. And, and he had four small kids at the time. And, and my dad and my mom were with us. And so uh, my dad, being uh, from the Navy and still thinking he's the captain of the ship, decided we're going to rent a boat. And we're going to go around to the different islands. And for the most part, it was quite wonderful. Uh, but one day we decided to come back another way. And if you know anything about an island, on an island they have the windward side and the leeward side, meaning there's one side that where the predominant trade winds beat upon it. There's another side that's normally calm. So if you get on the calm side of the island, where the island blocks the predominant direction of the wind, it's a pretty normal sea conditions. But if you go on the other side of the island where the wind has brought a tremendous amount of energy in the waves, it can be quite rocky. And we're in this boat that's not big enough really to navigate the path by which the captain and the admiral had chosen to take that day. And I'll never forget it. And we're not really a, an aquatic family. We're not very, um, we're, we're not the greatest of swimmers. In fact, uh, half my family can really, doesn't really swim uh, that well. And so you can imagine us not being very nautical or aquatic at all. And, um, and those, some in our family with life jackets on as a sign of uh, faith, I guess, we're on this boat in this boat that probably wasn't more than 20 feet long, couldn't have been a very small boat, and these waves were just sort of somewhere out of Moby Dick. I mean, literally up and down and up and down, and I'm like, we're holding on. And, and, and my brother's kids were very small. In fact, Nathaniel was just, but a, his youngest was just but a baby, and they all huddled down in the beginning, of, in, in the front of the boat. And I remember thinking, my God, if we get out of this alive, it will be an absolute miracle. And you think, you think we would have learned, our, no, not me. He would have learned his lesson. I learned my lesson. Let's just call it what it was. I'm not, I'm not falling on the sword for that one. You would have think he, 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 uh, he learned his lesson. 
So years after that, we're down in Florida. My uncle lived in, lived in Destin at the time. And so we were down there visiting family and, my, and, 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 and down there. And so we decided one day, let's go out on the water. And if you've ever been to Destin, it's absolutely beautiful water. You've got the gulf there that's beautiful. And you've got the, the bay there that's beautiful. And there's this part right there where, at, at Destin where the water from the from the from the, the Gulf is coming in and meeting the bay, and it's a very choppy area. And so there's a lot of boats there, and so we decided we'd get a couple of jet skis, and my dad, again, the admiral, decides to be the admiral of the pontoon boat. Now, have you ever seen a pontoon boat? They're not exactly sea-going vessels. They're more for lakes, calm water. They're, they're the boat where you can sip tea on and not spill it on you. They're not designed for this. But being the admiral he was, he decided, let's take the pontoon boat out into the Gulf. And my brother and I were on the jet skis. I guess, I don't know what we were doing. We were just, I guess, I guess we were going to get the, uh, the horror on video for, I don't know, for, for memory's sake. I don't know. We're watching this. And I remember this horror. There's a storm that starts to, was starting to, was, was brewing out in the Gulf. You could see it out in the distance. And so the waves were getting stronger. And he decides to go out on this pontoon boat. And how that boat stayed without tipping over was an act of God. The only way I know that the Lord kept that boat was because my mom was in an atmosphere of prayer like you've never seen. That woman was praying. And you know my dad, you know my dad, half the time he's saying, Oh, Alice, stop, we're going to be okay. I'm watching this boat on these like four or five foot swells. And this thing is just, I'm thinking, my God, there's my brother and I, neither one of us can swim that great. I don't think we can get everybody up on this boat if it, on these jet skis. Thankfully, he decided to turn the pontoon back around and go to the other side where it was calm water. And as crazy as that sounds, sometimes I feel like that in my life. I feel like I've got my family, and even my family, on a boat sometimes, and it's literally all that we can do to hang on. Forget about direction. Forget about sailing. Forget about, let's go over there, look at that. It's like, please, God, don't let us die. Forget that. I, I don't really care about the beautiful scenery. I mean, the gorgeous sun and the beautiful water and the, and the dolphins and all the stuff around me. I don't care just get me somewhere that's calm because I just can survive. Sometimes it's like that. But then there are occasions that go beyond the ability for us to handle and we find ourselves crashed against the rocks of life as Paul finds himself. And we're stuck against the rocks of life and we watch with a hopelessness as our Boat, our ship, our life begins to break apart because, you know, even when you're on the rocks, the waves don't stop and the waves continue to break apart. As it was described in the end of Acts 27, the boat was aground, but the waves continue to tear the boat apart. And we watch as this tears apart and we watch as this begins to happen. And then the Bible says in Acts 27, verse 44, that there was nothing but the broken pieces. And you know what? Sometimes of like that, it feels like I'm just holding on to some broken pieces. But can I say today that those broken pieces of my life are not shattered dreams, but those broken pieces today are my faith, are my hope. 
If I can just hang on to the broken pieces, the things of the ship that are still left intact. Because you see, even though my world may fall around around me, there are some things that are inside of me that stay intact. Because you know what? Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. It may look like right now it's going the way I don't want it to go. It may look like today that right now it doesn't seem to be going exactly the way to plan. It may seem like my life's out of control, but according to the Word of God, Jesus never fails. So what can I hold on today? I can hold on to the broken peace that Jesus never fails. I can hold on to the broken peace that says my God is faithful. I can hold on to the broken peace that says that I know it doesn't matter what my circumstance look like today, that God is faithful. I can hold on to the broken peace of comfort that know my God's a comforter in the midst of sorrow and grief. I can hold on to those broken pieces. And the Bible says Paul held on to the broken pieces until he came ashore. And some of us came to God on broken pieces. I know some of you, you were just so good in your life, you just sailed your ship into the harbor and you got off, stepped on shore and said, I'm here, now what? But some of us didn't have life like that. Some of us got to God on some broken pieces. Some of us got, came to God, our life was broken, and we were just holding on to whatever we can, and we, 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 we floated on our broken piece somewhere into a church, and we found a, an altar that we floated onto, and God in His mercy and His love swept down and began to touch our life and began to put our boat back together again. But when we came to God, we didn't come to God with a complete vessel. We didn't come to God with a perfect world. We came to God with brokenness. We came to God with things in our life that weren't exactly the way it was, but we held on to those pieces. Whatever was left, we grabbed a hold of and we came in. And that was an amazing story to think about Paul. Here's this great man of God responsible for writing so many powerful books in the Bible that we, in, we get nourishment and inspiration from today. Here's this guy literally hanging to life on this shattered ship. I mean, come on, I, I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. That's, that's, that's tough stuff. You'd think Paul would have had some kind of caveat with God, you know, some kind of insight with God. You know, I don't need to go. That's what I think. I, you know, sometimes I think if I get spiritual enough, God will keep me from stuff, right? Isn't that the way it works? If I pray more, I read my Bible more, I fast more, I come to church more, man, I'm going to come to church even when there's not church because if I do all that, God's going to keep me from problems and difficulties. That's what I've been told. That's not right? Now you tell me. Thanks a lot. Spent a lot of time trying to that's not what it's to me. Go with Paul. Man, Paul went through some stuff. And you think, you know, have you ever been through something? I'm going somewhere, please. I'm not just rambling. I'm going somewhere. Have you ever been through something and you got through it and you thought it's over with only to realize there was another thing coming around? And you get that attitude like, are you kidding me? Really? I can't catch a break? So I want you to picture this with me. It goes into this in Acts. It says this. Paul, you got this right. He's a prisoner. He's not on a cruise ship. He's not resting relaxation. He's not sitting on the deck chairs. He's a prisoner. Not a good situation. He didn't even do anything wrong. He's really accused of doing something. He's not even a... He's, not a, he's with thugs and thieves and murderers and all these just gnarly dudes. 
And he's like, what do you, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. What did you do? Well, I did this and stole from this and beat this person up. What did you do? Well, I did that. Well, what did you do? I preached. You know what? Okay. All right. That's what Paul, Paul's on this ship. And if that wasn't bad enough, come on, God, you, you give them, you made the man a prisoner. Come on, give the man a break. Boom. He's on a shipwreck. Now he's holding on to broken pieces. Finally, they get on the shore. You think, okay, finally got on the shore. We're, we're, we're done. And the Bible says this. It's getting cold. They got wet clothes. It's cold. It's, it's the winter months. This, you go back and you read, research what it was. The reason why it was stormy was because it was the winter. Yerakwadon was a winter storm. It's cold. The wind. You ever been cold and wet at the same time? Not a good combination. So Paul's like, hey, come on. Can I catch a break? So guess what he does? What do you do when you're cold? Build a fire. And the Bible says he goes out and gathers some sticks because he's just trying to get warm. And when he goes to grab some sticks and he reaches down and the sticks he gathers, guess what happens? A snake jumps out of the snake, stakes, uh, the sticks and grabs a hold of Paul's finger. Are you kidding me? Isn't that like the devil? Let's just call it what it is for a moment, can you? Isn't that like the devil to sit back? You're just getting beat with life until you can't. You're just punch drunk. And finally you get through that. You get, you kind of, you get a standing eight count. You're good. The birds have stopped swirling around your head. You're okay. And what does he do? He's waiting, lying in wait. He's hanging out, waiting. Waiting. And the moment you think, thank God it's over with, wham, here he comes again. And you're like, are you kidding me? And, the, and even the people watching Paul, the, the guys that are watching Paul said, aha, uh -huh, that man's got some stuff. I mean, shipwrecked now, the stake, he, he's, he's messed up. And you know what? You've heard this before. I'll say it again. I can't stop things from happening in my life, but I control the way I react to them. I cannot control my life, but I can control my reaction. And we find here that Paul didn't see the snake. You sometimes don't see stuff coming. It hides. It waits. It, it's, it's in the stuff that you're that that just life and you're reaching down and, and wham it gets you and, and Paul couldn't handle that. But you know what? If I was Paul, you know what I would have probably done? Let's I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I'd have probably reached down that stick, that snake would have bit me, and I would have been like, Are you kidding me? And you know what I would have done? I don't know about you, I'd have been like, God, are you hello? Do you even know I'm down here? Do you even care about me? You've made me a prisoner. You, you made me on a shipwreck. And now the snake, come on, God, throw me a break. And you know what happened? In the moment of my complaining, the venom would have killed me. I'm too busy complaining while what's attacking me is killing me. But Paul... The moment that thing got a hold of him, and notice where it came out of. 
It came out of the dry place. The Bible says he gathered some dry wood. It came from the dry place. It came out of the place where there was no spiritual life. It was the dry place. And when he grabbed the hold of it, watch what Paul's reaction was. Paul's reaction was not to panic. Paul's reaction was not to call the preacher and say, pray for me. The Paul's reaction was, just shake it off. But whoa, 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 you can't just shake it off, honey. It's not just about shaking it off. It's where you shake it off. Because if you just shake it off, it's coming back. But he shook it off in the fire. He shook it off in the fire. What is the fire represented? You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There's something about the Spirit of God that's able to take what I'm going through. And if I would get a hold of the Spirit of God and just begin to shake some things off in my life and let the fire of the Holy Ghost begin to create an atmosphere in my life, I can shake it off. Shake it off. You say, well, preacher, that's hard to do. You tell me this to shake off life? No, I'm not telling you shake it off life. I'm telling you shake it off in the right place. You can shake all you want, but if you just shake, it ain't working. You've got to get in the power of the fire. You've got to be hanging out. And notice, where was he hanging out? He was hanging out by the fire. He didn't have to run to the fire. He didn't have to make a fire. He already had the fire going. You know what the problem is? We can't shake off in the fire because we're too far away from the fire or we got to go build the fire. You know the problem is? We get bit on Wednesday. Oh, God, i got to make it a Sunday. Oh, I'm buying a fire. It's Wednesday. Oh, God, I don't know if I can make it. I can make it. i got to go Sunday because that's where the fire is. And you know what? Sometimes I don't make it a Sunday. But if i got a fire when I wake up on Monday... When I get up on Tuesday, what do I do? I lift up my hands and begin to worship Him on Tuesday morning. Why? Because I get the Spirit, the wind. And what does the wind do? It begins to let the fire in my life begin to build. Why? Because on Thursday, I'm going to go to work and something's going to reach up and grab me. And if I don't have a fire in my life, if church is my fire, I'm in trouble. If church is my fire, I'm in trouble. Because church happens for most of us once a week. One day a week. If church is my fire, I'm in big trouble. Because I, when you walk out of here, the devil in life don't say to you, Hey, you out of church today? Yeah, I'm out of church. Okay, we'll leave you alone the next Sunday. Good, good. Have a good week. No. When you get in the car, sometimes you shut the door. He's like, ha ha. Now it's my turn. What? And I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. You get in that thing and he's like, "Uh uh-huh, I got you for six days now. And if your whole world is built around a church service or somebody else's fire, I'm glad for your fire. I'm glad for your fire, but I want my own fire. You can have your fire. That's great. But you're not, you want to live with me? We're close. We ain't that close, right? I don't need, your fire's not going to be. And you know what? I love my wife. She loves me. But her fire can't help me in my times. I've got to have my own fire. Why? Because there are times where I'm not going to see it coming, but something's going to reach up and grab me. And if I don't have my own fire to shake something off into, what gets a hold of me may kill me. 
got to have my fire. I've got to have that fire. I've got to have the Spirit of God moving in my life on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's why I'm, I, love, I love Sundays. It's a great day, but that's not all of it. Sundays is not it. It's 52 days of the year. Some days we don't even have church because of holidays or snow. So we get 50 days a year. We call Sunday somewhere along there, what, 52 weeks? It's not all about Sunday because there's a fire that I've got to take home with me. I may come to church sometimes and I may get my fire stoked with the power of God, but it's not to come and just be in the fire. It's so that I can take the fire with me. There's this thing. You go back and you, you can do some research on it. It's called the snake line. Anybody ever heard of the snake line? Nobody's heard of the snake line. Well, I can make it up. You won't even know I'm making it up. This is awesome. No, this, the snake line is a part in the altitude that if you get to above the certain altitude, there's no snakes. In fact, some mountains will mark the snake line. They will tell you that if you go higher than this point, there will be no snakes. Because snakes will only live at a certain altitude. Snakes will only go to a certain place. They can't go farther than this. So why does God tell me to come up? Because if I would start to climb into his presence, and I would get into his presence, and I would live in his presence, there gets to a point in my life that I can get above the snake line. And I can get into a place where there's nothing that can reach out and grab me. I may not live there every day. There may be times I fall down the mountain and i got to climb back up. But there's a place I can get to in God that's above the snake line. Where there's things that try to grab me, the attacks of fear, the attacks of doubt, the attacks of, 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 of depression, the attacks of addiction, all the things that grab me. If I can get above that snake line and I can get into his presence... And so that's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait, not hang out and chill and, and relax, but they that wait, what does that mean? They that get in a connection, a relationship, a twisting. You know what they say about marriage, right? Marriage is, is if, if your marriage is 50-50, it's destined to fail. You know, they say marriage is 50-50. Well, if your marriage is 50-50, you're failing. Because that means at least half of you is not married. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. If you got 50-50 relationship, you're in trouble because 50% of, something, of you is somewhere else. And you ever watched oh, people that are married? For after a while, they start talking like each other. They start acting like each other. They finish each other's sentences. Why? Because you get around, you have such a relationship with someone that literally you just start to think the same way, you start to look at something the same way, it becomes, because truly what's the Bible say, when you get married, you are to become one. When I look at, when I look at Ray, I should see Gina. When I see Gina, I should look at Ray, even though she's prettier than you are, in case you're wondering. <laughs> when I look at that, it should be that way. Why? Because that's what it's about, a relationship. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord, they that begin to build a relationship, they that decide, I'm not a 50-50 Christian. You know, God, God I'm, I'm in a 50-50. It sounds so good, right? I'm in a 50-50 Christian relationship. Oh, it's awesome. Me and God, we're half and half. That's the problem. There's the problem. You are half and half. 
50% you're a Christian and 50% you're somewhere else. You know what they call that? Living on the fence. You ever try to sit on a fence? You ain't going to hang out there too long. It's not comfortable. You know what? A 50-50 relationship with God doesn't last long. And he said, I want you to wait upon me, but not just hang out and chill. But I want you to get a relationship with me that begins to intertwine with me. That you begin to wrap yourself with me and I wrap myself with you. And when that happens, something is going to go beyond just a a cheerful relationship. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to mount up with some wings. As a what? As an eagle. Do you know one of the things eagles eat? Snakes. Do you know what's one of the things that eagles eat? Snakes. That when I get in a relationship with him, he begins to empower me. And as I begin to soar with the eagles... Things that try to attack me in my life have no authority in my life. Can I tell you this today? It may come as a shock to some of you, but do you know the devil has no authority in your life? You, the devil has no authority. What do you mean, brother, right? It seems like he's big and bad and girly and me. The only authority he has is the authority you will give him. Because the Bible says, at the mention of the name. At the mention of the name. And you know, there's another powerful thing. It's called the blood of Jesus. And you combine the name and the blood, the devil has no authority in my life. So why does it feel like, Brother Wright, he's always got me. It's because you're not intertwined with him. You're hanging out down low. You're not living with the eagles. You know, it's not means you're walking around so spiritual you can't hold a conversation. My God. You know, some people are so spiritual you can't even talk to them. It's not about being so spiritual you're you're just so out there you can't communicate with, with life. No, but it's about being connected with Jesus, living with the fire in your life. Because the Bible says persecution is going to come. Trials are going to come. Things are going to happen. And where you're at is going to determine your reaction. If you're not by the fire, you're going to panic. If you're not hanging out by the fire, if you're not with the eagles, guess what? You're going to have some problems. But the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not Be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. He just said that the young are even going to get tired. And there's a part, another scripture that says even the righteous are scarcely saved. You mean to tell me there's a place I can get to in God that I can run and keep running? There's a place I can get to God that I can walk and keep walking? How do I do that? You got to wait. Well, I've been waiting for a long time. No, 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 not waiting. You got to get connected with him. I got to be honest with you. I sit here today, and I got to tell you, I, ne- I didn't react too well sometimes to my life. There are times in my life I didn't always respond too well 
to trials and circumstances. There was a lot of times in my life that I responded not with faith, but with anger, frustration. There was a lot of times I didn't run to the fire, I blamed the fire. But you know what I found? That didn't do any good. And I was fighting the one that could help me. I'm not here today to give you an explanation on anything in your life. I can't tell you why anything in your life is the way it is. I can't tell you why certain people have treated you a certain way. I can't tell you why it seems like this has happened for you and hasn't, and happened, hasn't happened for you and happened for somebody else. I can't tell you why the, your, 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 your parents treated you the way you are. I can't tell you why your brothers and sisters treated you the way they are. I can't tell you why your boss seems to hate you and love everybody else. I can't tell you any of that. I can't give you an explanation for that. But I can tell you one thing. If you wait, if you get connected with him, if you get intertwined with him, yeah, you might be here today and, and you might have some broken pieces of your life and, 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 and your, your boat, your ship may have been wrecked upon life and you're hanging on to broken pieces. But I'm telling you today, if you would let God become real to you today. Some of you hear me say that every week and, you're, and, and you you're just tone deaf to it. You hear that every week and you're like, okay, I get it, I get it. I hear you say that every week. But hearing it and doing it are completely different things. Hearing it and doing it are completely different. And James, the book of James, challenges us. He said, are you just going to be hearers of the word? Are you going to be doers of the word? Yeah, I got what you're saying today, preacher. Yeah, that's, I got it. it. Sounds good. Awesome. That's great. But what good is that if it's not taken and applied? And I'm thankful you're here today. I'm thankful everyone is here today. I mean, we have some guests here today and everyone else is here today. I'm thankful you're here today. But just being here today alone doesn't change me. Just being in church and coming to church as a religious obligation doesn't do anything for a moment. In fact, can I say this to you today? And I don't mean to be offensive towards anybody, but it's the truth. The Bible doesn't even promote religion. Do you know the Bible, the word religion in the Bible is always a negative word. In fact, for it to be a positive word, it had to have a positive adjective attached to it. He said, true religion. Why? What is religion? Religion is a man-made structure to quantify an infinite God. I don't want religion. I don't want to practice religion. I don't want to come and give them the parameters of religion. And I know most people today, they mean that sincerely. You know, I, I, people ask me all the time, are you a religious person? I understand what they're saying. But yes, I get it from their perspective, but in my definition, I'm not religious. You say, how can you say that? Aren't you a preacher? You're supposed to be religious. No, the Bible never told me to be religious. The Bible never told me to follow a doctrine or creed or somebody's idea. The Bible told me that I could have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Religion is confining. Religion is definable. But relationship with God is something that's it's me. 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 You don't walk around married always talking about 
the parameters of marriage. Well, we're, well what, what do you do? Well, I, I, I'm involved in the institution of marriage. You are? Yes, I've been involved in the institution of marriage now. Uh, we're coming up on 14 years. Uh, this May, my wife and I have been involved in the institute of marriage. You'd be go like, really? That's a pretty sad situation there. You would think that, wouldn't you? You'd be like, man, you need to get a life. I don't say that. I don't talk about the institution of marriage. Is the institution of marriage a real thing? Yeah, yeah, the parameters of marriage. There's, a, there's some laws there that I had to follow. There's some things I had to sign a sign of paperwork. It got, it got recorded in the courthouse. But you know what? I'm not involved in marriage. I'm involved in a relationship. I'm involved in a relationship. You know what? If I'm involved in marriage, I can leave marriage because marriage is just an institution. But if I'm involved in relationship, I'm involved in something greater than an institution. I've been involved in a church today. I, I, I know that sounds crazy for a pastor to say, but I've been involved in a church. We're not just a church for the sake of a church. We're a group of people trying to have a relationship with Jesus and get closer to him every day. If it's church and church only, boy, if I don't feel good today, I don't want to go to church. Just church. You know, there's, you know how, would that, how, how crazy would that be? You wake up in the morning, you look over across the person next to you, you're like, Ugh. I don't really feel like being married to you today. Ooh, I, I'm, I'm going to take the day off. I'm good. Let's try it again tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I, I, I just, I got a little cold today, and I woke up today, and I, was, I just don't feel so good. And uh, you mind if I take a, a day off for marriage today? Sure. It's just marriage. Just, it's just marriage. No problem. We'll, we'll try it again tomorrow. That's all right. You know, I've been struggling, and I've been going through a lot lately, and uh, I've just been really battling in my life, and I think I just need some 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 time away. So if we could just put marriage on, well, if marriage is just an institution, it's no big deal. But you know what? I'm married. I'm I'm in a relationship on my good days. I'm in a relationship on my bad days. My wife sees the best in me and sees the worst of me, and most of the time it's the worst, not the best. I don't want to be involved in an institution of religion. Because I can say, well, God, you know, you know, Lord, I've got a lot of stuff going on on my plate today. You don't mind, God, if I take a little time off from religion, would you? Sure, no problem. You go ahead and take, take whatever time you need. I'll be here when you get back. Have a good time. You know what? People do that all the time. I don't. It's just religion. How can it hurt? But when you're involved in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, how can you take off from relationship? Why? Because he loves me and I love him. And I want to get to the point with him that I get so intertwined with him that you can't tell. I'm not there yet, but I'm trying. I'm not always there. I got a lot of, you can you see a lot of Joel left. Ooh, there's a lot of Joel. Ooh, a lot of Joel. Six foot five of it. There's a lot of it left. I'm trying to shrink it every day. Sometimes they're better than others. And sometimes it gets a little bit bigger when I try to shrink it. But I want to get to the point where you look at me, you don't see me, you see him. Will, he, will I get there? I don't know. I knew well, one day I'll get there. The Bible says when I leave this world, 
I'm getting a new body. And all this stuff, this just, just stuff, this stuff that I prayed ten times for God to take away, he hadn't taken away. One day I'm getting rid of this stuff. One day this stinky, yucky, nasty flesh that tries to keep me living below the snake line. You know, the, what is flesh made out of? 70% water. What does water want to do? Flow downhill. Water wants to flow downhill. I'm trying to go uphill. I've got this flesh pulling me down, but my spirit's trying to go up. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But there's coming a day, bless God, where I'm finally going to be able to, to, to set free of the bonds of my flesh and be able to get up with Jesus. And every day I, I get there, I'm going to be able to stand in His presence without this flesh trying to pull me down. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking forward to. Because I don't want to live pulled down, but I want to be able to get in the place where I'm in a time with Him that I can wait upon Him, that I can mount up with wings as eagle, and I can run and not get weary, and I can walk and not faint. I'm not there yet. I get weary. There's some times I get a little cramped in my side. I'll just, y'all keep going. I'll hold up a little bit. I'll be right there. Just give me a moment. I got to catch my breath. I'm all right. And there's sometimes I walk in, I do, I do faint a little bit. But you know what? There's coming a day. I don't know if it's Gatorade. I don't know what's going to help me get there. But one of these days, I'm getting there. Because that's the desire is to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me today? I wonder if you could just for a moment... In this, in this service, if you could take five moments, we're, we're done, but could you just, you just spare me five, just, just, just another moment, just another moment. Don't spare me, I can't do anything for you. But could you, you, just, could you just give God another moment of your attention? And could you just close your eyes right where you are? And in your own words, I want you to express to Him in your own words what you feel about Him and your desire to have a relationship with Him. You say, that's kind of silly, uh, preacher. No, He loves to hear that. The Bible says He's a jealous God, meaning He wants to hear what you have to say. Can you just close your eyes and do that right now? Come on, can you tell Him what you think about Him? And more importantly, tell Him. You like it when your mate tells you what they think about you. You like it when your mate tells you, I love you. I love spending time with you. I love being with you. I love the way you make me feel when I'm with you. Why don't you tell God that? You're made in His image. If you enjoy that, He enjoys that. Can you tell God that? Say, God, I love you. I want to know you. Lord, I, I, I forgive me for the times I've, I've let my relationship with you be 50-50. Forgive me for times, God, I've let my relationship with you. But God, today, give me the grace to walk with you, not to be confined by the parameters of religion, not to be confined by the parameters of a Sunday. But God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to feel your love every day. I want your love to be real to me. Oh, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I lose your love in this place today. I lose the love of the Spirit of God. I lose the love of Jesus to flow in this place today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, Lord, give us the desire today to get closer to you. Lord, for some of us that have allowed our lives to slip downhill, give us the strength today, the grace today to climb up with the eagles so that we can fellowship with you and to know you in a greater way and to find you in a greater way 
in the name of Jesus. Can you just take a moment and maybe reach over next to somebody and take them by the hand and put your hand on their shoulder and let's just pray one for another for a moment. Can we do that? I think it's good for us to pray one for another. Why do you do that, preacher? The Bible tells us to pray one for another. Very simple. The Bible says for us to pray. The Bible says for us to, to join together with one another, to be in one mind and one accord. Can we just do that for a moment? Father, in your name, in your name, in your name. Oh, in Jesus' name. 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 Oh, help us today, Lord. Help us today, God. Oh, help my brother today. Help my sister today. God, let us all have a desire when we leave this place to get closer to you, to find you like never before. Lord, if we've let our relationship with you slip, forgive us, God. Give us the grace. Give us the grace to walk in a relationship with you, to intertwine ourselves, to twist ourselves with you. Oh, if you're weak in this place today, there's an answer. It's Jesus. If you're, if you're weary today in this place, there's an answer. It's getting yourself connected with Jesus. Not coming to a church service. Not just simple saying a prayer. But getting in a relationship with Jesus. There's strength. There's hope. There's life. That can begin to take place when you do that. Oh, help us, Jesus. Help us today. God, you see every heart and life in this place. I pray today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch us, that you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch our spirits. Let us be ministered by you, through you, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we just lift our hands one more time and just thank him and praise him and give him glory and love on him for a moment? Can we do that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just do that one more time. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. He is so worthy. He is so worthy. So worthy. So worthy. So worthy. So worthy. Praise God. God bless you. Don't forget, please come back with us tonight and do one other thing. You can't leave till you do it. Make sure you shake three people's hands. If you don't do it, we're going to keep you here all day. Make sure you shake someone's hand. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. God bless you. Thank you for coming.